Making a recipe that calls for butter? Make it better with European butter from France. With a minimum of 82% butter fat, it's no wonder French butter is the number one choice of chefs the world over. Whether you're whipping up an omelet, sauteing vegetables, or spreading it on toast, the rich, cultured flavor of butter from France always elevates. Be sure to look for Made in France on the label. And for recipes, tips, and tricks, go to tasteeurope.com. Uh, so Wall, he didn't eat much. I, my, he, his stomach wasn't even good back then. He just came in and schmoozed. He had nowhere else to go. He ate very simple, maybe a bagel and cream cheese. He didn't eat much. My mistake was not buying the art for 50 bucks. This is Taste. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. Shelley Fireman is the owner of several New York City restaurants of acclaim and heritage, including Red Eye Grill, Bon 45, and Cafe Fiorello. On this truly amazing episode, we hear some great stories from this living legend. We hear about opening the first standalone eventized bagel shop in New York City in the early 1960s, as well as many more stories from this over 50 years in the business. It's such a cool conversation with Shelley, and I hope you enjoy it. Shelly Fireman, welcome to This Is Taste. It's great to see you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. This is going to be a really fun conversation. You know what? You, you're you a legend in the game. You you run some of New York's most, I would say, historical and and favorite restaurants, Red Eye Grill, Cafe Fiorello, and Rotteria many other. Del Arte. Don't forget that. Let's not forget that one. Let's start there. What's that restaurant? What's happening there right now? What's happening? Yeah. We're doing lots of business. Carnegie Hall is uh, doing well, and we're doing well, and we've been there for 35 or 35 years, and it's, oh, we just, oh, I just put my artwork in there, and Marcus Savi just put a new collection of artwork, so we're having a big blowout next Monday, I think, showing off all our art. Try to read the lot, they not only is a great Italian restaurant, it's filled with wonderful art. Yeah. Your 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 restaurants are significant in many ways, but one is that they're, they're located near New York City cultural institutions, Rockefeller Center. Carnegie Hall. Was this a strategy of yours when you were opening? To- Absolutely, but I don't want to discuss my strategy because who wants other people to follow my strategy? <laughs> right. But it was strategy. So, well, I mean, right now it would be like opening next to the M&M store in, 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 in Times Square is like where you want to open it. That's New York City Cultural Institution at this point. We have, we have one, two, three restaurants in Times Square, and uh, we're doing very well there. Let's go back. I think this is really important to talk about. The restaurant's called The Hip Bagel. It opened in 1963. Before then, bagels were not considered uh, a main food group. Wait a minute. Main? It was only one group of people ate it. Twelve Jews <laughs> in the Bronx. So you opened The Hip Bagel in 1963. Tell me about this restaurant. Wait a minute. I opened it because... Well, I'll give you the whole picture. I got off the Jerome Avenue L at Burnside Avenue, and we used to buy bagels in the basement. Guys used to cook it in the basement. They used to hand it up to you on Friday night. That's when every Jew bought bagels, only Friday and Saturday night. And one day, I got off the train to visit my mother and in an empty lot by the pool room, was a building, a glass building, and inside they were making bagels. All of a sudden, they came from the underground and went above ground. I looked at that empty lot and that bagel store, and I said, bagels are going to be hip. There's a future in bagels. And I was trying to be in business, not necessarily the restaurant business or the hip bagel business, but it was so obvious that bagels had a future that I decided to go to the public library and <laughs> study the restaurant business. I spent three months at the public library, and I opened up the Hip Bagel. What location? Where was it at? McDougal Street. Yeah, down in the village. And uh, and but I had no experience. I had I only opened it was five hundred bucks. I opened it. I mean, let's well, let's let that sink in, listener. Well, uh, let me be fair with you. I was five hundred of my own money. 
$500 the manufacturers trust, God bless them, loaned me. Why they loaned me? They just liked me as a kid. And then the jukebox and cigarette guys from Greenwich Village also loaned me the, 500 that, Is that a euphemism? Is that a side name I mean, for certain? These, by the way, <laughs> these were good people. I'm not, I love, wait, let's not go there. Okay, this is great, Shelley. I think that's a really great way. <laughs> Let that sink in, listener. But, about that, the, but by the way, if you were a legitimate guy, they were more than legitimate guys. I I, I respect uh, it. I, uh, I please. Okay, so you're like let's let's let the sinking listener. The bagel pre nineteen sixty three before this restaurant opened in McDougal was considered Jewish food. It wasn't. It was there was no lenders. There was no. It was only Jewish. There was no food. lenders. There was no. There was no frozen. There was no. There was no culture. There was no. Like, it was just a little. No. Okay. It, so you open up the the hit bagel on McDougal. Your customers include John Lennon, Bob Dylan, Andy Warhol, Shel Silverstein, Barbara Streisand. What? How, how did the bagel explode in New York City with this restaurant? First of all, they have to eat. You got to remember, John Lennon had to eat. Bob Dylan had to eat. Bob. They all had to eat. I mean, we had more. Everybody who was famous today or long gone and famous ate there. They liked the bagels. I let me say this. I was brought up that my father's family always played a, my grandmother couldn't cook very good food, but everybody played a musical instrument. She went to my grandmother's house. Everybody sang, everybody played it. We had a great time. In my mother's side of the family, everybody was a trained cook, a European trained cook. You went to that side, everybody ate well. So I just took what I knew and understood, good hospitality, fun food. We just had a, a great time. Mm. The hip bagel was, everybody was pleasant. Not, what do you want to say? It's not a grand opera. No, it wasn't. But but what, what are you putting on the bagel? What what, what are the bagels okay, you're serving? Okay, here's what I put on. Let me tell you what I did. Uh, I'm from the Bronx, so Italian food, I was part of my upbringing. So I remember going to Bleecker Street. No, not Bleecker Street. Yeah, Bleecker Street or Housen Street. And it was a, I'll tell you, a sausage maker there an Italian sausage maker. I walked into that sausage factory and I said, oh, if my mother were to see this factory, it was, it was a chaos. So I, I decided I would learn to make my own Italian sausages. So I put Italian sausages and bagels and bialis. Mm. I just mixed the two cultures that I was familiar with and understood and people appreciate I love that. So you're putting Italian sausage on bagels. I, I made my own Italian and I still do make my own Italian sausage. Respect that. What about the everything bagel? Was that something that- No, it didn't exist. It didn't. Forget about it. It takes 30 years for something new to happen. So are they plain in sesame? No sesame. Everybody, it was plain. That's it. One bagel. One bagel. Got I it. mean, don't make a, it's only a bagel. I don't know. It's, anyway. <laughs> and so when you're, when you're, John Lennon comes in. What's he ordering? I'll tell you. One of, uh, here's a funny story. My grandmother was lived on Patty Street in East London for about 20 years. So he knew that because I, anyways, so he wanted English kippers. Mm. English kippers stink up the whole restaurant. Yeah. I only eat English kippers at home. Because you got to open up the windows. It takes two days to get the odor out. So I told John I can't do it because it's going to smell up the whole place. So he just ate eggs. <laughs> He's it's all compromised. He wanted today. English kippers. I don't blame him. I want English it's a, it's But it's an at-home dish only. I fully right. agree. All right, so, so Bob Dylan, he just was a, he just wanted to smoke salmon, eggs, and onions. Yeah. Uh, Barbara Streisand was sort of an oddball. Uh, but she was a pretty simple, remember, they, remember, they weren't, wait a minute, Barbara Streisand wasn't Barbara Streisand at that time. She was just Barbara Streisand. Mm -hmm. So she wasn't demanding, she wasn't, she was very pleasant. Everybody was pleasant because the place was pleasant. What about Warhol? Uh, you know, if Warhol's Warhol was different. I knew Warhol before and after and after. Yeah. I had, by the way, one of my great mistakes in life, I ended up, oh, I could have bought it for 50 bucks. You know what a big mistake? Uh, so Warhol, he didn't eat much. I might, he, his stomach wasn't even good back then. He just came in and schmoozed. He had nowhere else to go. He ate very simple, maybe a bagel and cream cheese. He didn't eat much. Uh, but 
My mistake was not buying the art for 50 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> you could have had a piece and, 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 and traded it for a dozen bagels. Yeah, I ended up buying five pieces for, I don't know if I paid 2000 each, but anyways. Oh, so you, you, you did get some art. Yeah, saying. no, no. I had, I had five Warhols. Okay. But I could have bought a, wait a minute. Let's forget about what I could have done, right? You know, Warhol made a, a cookbook. It's called Wild Raspberries. It's, it's a it's a beautiful book, and it's available in rare bookstores. And he he was quite the foodie, actually. He he was a soft spoken. Yeah. I went to a party with him. I got a funny story. I went to a party with him once. He was he was a good friend of my friend who was a doctor, and all he sat around all night, didn't talk to anybody, just sat and had and handcuffs. <laughs> so I, it was weird. That was his performance was, of the night. It was, but he was a gentle, sweet guy. So you know. But Shelly, you clearly were able to shift between the village in the '60s and you know uptown life. And you, you did you feel like you could adapt to different crowds? Is that one of your your being charms? flexible is part of being having a good life. I think you're right. I'm being it's flexible. Great advice. Flexible the mind and the body, right? And the body, and don't and just wow. Let me ask I you. married a girl from Biloxi, Mississippi, and I'm from the Bronx. We've been married a long, long, long time. Love so that. you got to be flexible. <laughs> Love that. Let's talk about Mad Men, that era. I feel like you operated restaurants right in this era that we are familiar with as the Mad Men era, the, the mid-60s in New York. And I want to ask about that era, about conducting meals, uh, business over meals. I feel that was a big part of the, the, the culture. I had the... 11th highest grossing restaurant in the United States in 1968, the Tin Lizzie that Peter Max and I designed. Mm. And it was a lot of it, martinis at lunch. I don't drink very much, so that's what they did. They didn't seem, nobody was off base. I don't know how to tell you what happened because I only know 1972 when there was a crash. Yeah, you know the bad times. The I good, know the bad. That's what I remember. That's the tough times for a restaurant. Sure, but back to the 60s, and you're running this, this very popular restaurant. Right. What's on the menu? I would love to hear. Like, I'll tell, some... we had. I'll tell you what we did. We had steaks, mostly steak. People were steak eaters back then. Yeah. Um, steaks were probably number one. We had a big bar scene. It was usually popular. Uh, and ham, it was still beef. Beef yeah. was it. Yeah, and it was just beef and 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 martinis and martinis. And, and people did, and they didn't. People, oh, the bar was fifty feet long. So the bar on Thursday, Friday, wow, was it jammed with people? Let's zoom out. What, Shelley? By your estimates, when was what was the most fun era uh, in Manhattan? that you've operated a restaurant in. We're talking about six decades now. The fun era? Yeah. When the restaurant was successful, that was fun. <laughs> right. Smoking <laughs> like a true restaurant. the best fun you could have. When I made mistakes and closed the restaurant, that's not fun. Is there an era that you just remember as being for you personally? No, I got to tell you something. Uh, well, first of all, there's another era. Era when you could stay up late. I don't stay up so late anymore. Yeah. So the 60s, the Peter Max and my design of the Tin Lizzie was just phenomenal. I mean, it was, mm -hmm. uh, but I had the same thing at Trattoria del Arte. I had the same thing at Fiorello's. I mean, when you're successful, you're happy. Exactly. Um, as somebody who's seen the ups and downs with restaurants, and we talk a lot about this on the show, Right now, costs of goods are higher than ever. Inflation is is crushing us. Have you ever seen it this bad? Um, let me say that it's really concerning to everybody in this business. I think in 72, it was when, yes, and then in 80-something when- 87. Re, yeah, wow. When interest rates were- Forget about yeah, it. Yeah, like 30s, uh, yeah. We we survived, but we survived. I mean, it's it's a struggle out there for people, and everybody should have, um, I want everybody to have compassion, come out to eat. Yeah, and and we we think of restaurants as a place to 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 celebrate to 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 have meals that like the good times. Restaurants are and to have to survive and and work through the struggle is is commendable. Um, I want to ask you uh, advice you would give 
or at least the, the keys to success, to use some cliches, I feel like you've operated these restaurants for years and years and years through these good and bad times. What's, what's the secret? Hey, besides hard work, what's the secret? I used to tell people, you get up every day and you say, who do you kill today? Which means you don't kill anybody. It means if everybody's working eight hours a day, you're working 10 hours a day. Also, I also thought it was important if everybody's going to the left, go to the right. Um, also, I always thought it was important to find somebody who's smarter than you and ask and and sweep the floors if you have to, but let them, but ask them a lot of questions and let get somebody to help you. Bingo. I agree uh, with you fully. That's such a great, great advice. Love that. Next question, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you want to move on from that? Yeah. No, I, I feel like the reflective side of, of, of this conversation is is good because I think, do you, I mean, do you own the properties? Do you own the buildings? No, I don't own the properties. And I do, reg- no, we have great landlords and they have, we're in big buildings and we don't own the property. Interesting. I mean, that to me, I would imagine that would be one way to, to keep going. So the fact that you have leases. I got to you- tell you something. When I had two opportunities to buy properties, I passed them by because inexperience and unsophistication. Uh, mm. Also, I thought, how could a guy from the Bronx own a big building like that? <laughs> but so I, that's a handicap. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I'm happy with the landlords. I hope that landlords are happy. Whether Remember, Fiorella's is going to be 50 years now. And... Uh, Try to re- we're there for a long time. Yeah, I, you've got thirty at Red Eye Grill. Yeah, we're we're around. I, we're, no, absolutely. We're going to be around for the next hundred. I got Ben Grossman here. We're going to be around for the next hundred years. That's really cool. You live above Fiorello in the Upper East West Side. You literally live above the restaurant. Absolutely. So, what's that like opening a restaurant and living above it? I mean, do we have first like- of all? It's terrific. You don't have to go too far to eat. Well, sure. And you could call up and get anything. Sure. So it's terrific. And by the way, I own two apartments there. Uh, it's terrific. I mean, what, what do you want? It's great. I mean, I was going to say, I mean, does the, does the evening extend up to your den? I mean, do you no, get no, all- no, wait, wait, wait. First of all, when I get home, I eat pretty simple. We're mostly vegetarians at home. But having the restaurant there means I can call downstairs and they'll deliver up a pizza, a pasta. Um, I'll never go hungry. How's that? I mean, absolutely. That's the that's the bottom line. I'll never go hungry. Let's talk about Red Eye Grill. Where did the idea of the dancing shrimp come up? Because it's home of the dancing shrimp. We see it on the marquee. I walk by it literally every morning when I'm going to my office. You're right around the corner from Penguin Random House where we where we are right now. It's a great place. I've had meals there. Terrific. I love the upstairs, the bar area. It's it's a classic. You gotta check it out. Thank you. Uh, where did I get the idea of the yeah. dancing shrimp? Well, first of all, the idea is to have real personality. And we had it at the Antipasta. Remember, the Antipasta bar is the only Antipasta bar like it in New York, maybe in the country. Describe it. What is it? My Antipasta bar? Yeah, what which is I it? Try to, wait a minute. I don't want to describe it. I'll tell you why. Let people, A, come in and eat, and I don't need anybody to steal it. So I'm not describing. Respected. I mean, you got to you got to find out for I'm yourself. I'm not from the Bronx. You want me to just give you give away all this information? Forget about it. It's a it's a new way to do media when you decide that you're not going to talk about That's your right. Well, it's it's you know as you said you go left when they go right. Right, because otherwise, listen. My job is to our job is to go out and find ideas, steal anything that isn't that's good that isn't nailed down. That's how we remain successful. Bless you. That's the, that's really how you re- operate restaurants in this world right now. Absolutely. Um, who's been in your apartment? Famous people. In my above ap- Fiorello, I feel you've got you've got some people who you've had up there. Wait a minute. Mostly artists. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, Leroy Naiman, Peter Max, Marcus Davi. I'm trying to remember who. First of all, a uh, couple of guys that are dead. We don't want to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> Uh, also, wait, I live a, wait a minute, I just realized, I live a fairly private life. Yeah. Uh, celebrities are just nice people I know forever. They're not, uh, it's not, not so important to me. Yeah. It's a, not it's since a, I hit bagel when I, when <laughs> we were all kids, you know. Do you still eat bagels? 
Do I what? Do you still eat bagels? I'm, that's who I am, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's who you are at your business. Uh, um, of course I eat bagels. Yeah, I mean. Does anybody not eat? Wait a minute. The fact that the bagel has bloomed to be an American thing. There's no such thing as an eth. Everybody eats bagels. I agree. The, I you even mean, scoop them out now without. Yes, you, oh, I always scoop them out because there's too much. Wait, so wait, you're endorsing the scoop, Shelly? I am endorsing the scoop wow. because I'm, I'm endorsing healthy eating. And while the bagel is great, if you scoop and you stuffed it with protein, it's okay. Yeah, you could scoop. It's such a New York thing, that scooping. I mean, I'm from the Midwest. We don't scoop. Oh, you don't bagels. scoop? We don't scoop oh, in the Midwest. Oh, because you want to eat. Wait. We're I'll buy folk. another bagel. You only want to eat one bagel. I'll buy two bagels. Ah, now I'm seeing the the, the angle. It's two scoops with uh, protein in the middle. I like You're from style. the Midwest? Wait, where are you from? West Michigan, Kalamazoo. Jeez, I don't think I've been. It's, yeah, it's, it's my dad's from Chicago, north side. We, I've had some bagels in my day. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, I like I like the New York bagel. I like the Montreal bagel, though. Have you ever had that? No, I never had. It's a good one. It's chewier. They're known for that. Um, Let's talk about your art. I'd like to hear about sculpture. I think that that's Okay, you want to cool hear about my Because art? it's low-key that we are mentioning artists, but you are an artist. I, I checked out your work online, and, you know, you, you have gallerists. You're, you're successful, and I think that's, that's terrific. Uh, first of all, I live at, here's, here's my, you want to hear my art story? Yeah, let's go. When I was 17, I went to sculpture school for a while. And everybody was three times older than I was. And I was intimidated and I thought, how can I make a living being a sculptor? And I sculpted. How do you make a living? So I stopped doing it. Then I ended up in a town in Italy, which is an artist community. I lived there maybe seven years before I said I had friends, all, they were all artists, sculptors, painters, so forth. And the foundries were there, and everybody was there. Botero lived there, everybody lived there. Uh, and one day I decided, I could do this nonsense. What are you <laughs> kidding me? What are you, it's only art, it's not a grand opera. <laughs> and I decided, I, I'm gonna do it again. And that's what happened. Uh, it took me seven years to convince myself I could go back to do it. The trouble is, doing it is is great. It's expensive. How do you sell it? It's another job selling yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> because uh, the guys that sell art or really sell art are great at selling art. They're hustling all the time. They're like the guys who sell bagels. They're really they're good at it. They're good at it. Yeah. And they got to hustle it. And it's a twenty four hour a day yeah. job. My job is being a restaurateur, being an artist is. Hanging it on a wall, and what am I going to do with it when I'm gone? I don't know who wrote yeah. that. Is. But you have a real appreciation. Do you, do you go to uh, the New York institutions? Do you go to galleries in Chelsea? Do you go to the Met? Listen, art is part of my life. It is. Art is part of my restaurants. It's, yeah. Wow. It's it's amazing. And I got more stuff. Well, you know how much art I have? Invent- I got stuff, man. Warehouses of stuff. Are you aware of what you have? Are you really, are you Wait, Are we organized? Yeah. I have books, yeah, sizes, yeah. I've, uh, it's good. Yeah. But, um, well, let me ask you about the modern art scene. Do you do you follow any any particular trends or any any styles? No. No? No. You've got no. your tastes. I I get all the art magazines, so I keep turning the pages. There's more, wait, this world is filled with more art. Those poor kids that go out of, my son teaches at the art school in Maine. It's amazing. And wait, you know how, what are you, what, it's a field that I don't suggest anybody goes in. <laughs> no. Uh, really, it's a disastrous economic field. Yeah. To sell art, there's more great artists that never sell a painting or never do anything. Right. It's a game. Very few people can I mean, play successfully. Spoken like a capitalist. I mean, you run restaurants. You have a bottom line. You have a P and L. But then you also have this creative side to you, and you, which I don't make any money. Exactly. On. You realize there's a real <laughs> financial uh, obligation to it, enter. It, it's expensive to it's do expensive in time consuming, and especially if you do sculpture, you're doing it in bronzes. I got beautiful bronze. You want to buy some bronzes? Personally, I'm not a bronze guy. Um, I do respect it. I, I go to Dia Beacon quite a bit, maybe twice a year. I try to go up to Dia Beacon. That's right. a beautiful for sculpture. I love Dia. Have you have you been up there yeah, recently? I've been up there. No, it's good. No, all the Sarahs are incredible. Just to walk around, I love it. It's a, it, I respect sculpture so much. It's really really tough to wrap my head around it. I it's it's 
Anyway, I don't know what to say. I thank you. I hope you appreciate my art. I feel bad for all the kids going to art school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they need, they they need, make they need parents. Buck? How are they going to make a dollar? Yeah, side hustles. It's all about the side hustle if you're an artist, right? It's a it's a real job to sell art today. On This Is Taste, we ask guests about their discerning tastes. So to close this interview, here's a little rapid-fire, fast and furious taste check. Shelly, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. The wait, best... wait, can I hold on to the table? Okay. Okay, we're, we're, we're ready here. Okay. The best breakfast. But, uh, best breakfast is uh, detergent and eggs and a bagel and cream cheese and tomato. Wow, I love that. That sounds so good. Sturgeon? Smoked sturgeon. Smoked sturgeon. Of course, smoked sturgeon. The best dessert? Chocolate mousse at Fiorello's. <laughs> it, it, so what, what What makes it special? There's a lot of chocolate mousses in this city. It's a the real chocolate ch- I buy. What's the brand? I'm not telling you. Okay, fair enough. I like that. The best bread? Is the one I don't eat, focaccia out of Italy. <laughs> right. It's, it's, a, it's a rarity for you. Yeah. Yeah. Who wants to eat bread? Bread is there. Who wants to eat bread? Yeah, it's a good question. It's an existential question. All right, your favorite celebrity guest of all time? I think I'll have to say Jerry Seinfeld. He's part of my family. He's like the third or fourth cousin, but he's a terrific guy and a great guest, and he's terrific. And he's funny. And he's funny, and he's nice. Yeah. he's a, He really is a Hamish, a good guy. I'd love to hear that. Your favorite New York City restaurant classic edition that you do not own or operate? Uh, they don't exist. I'm out every. I'm out all the time eating. The, but there's no Barney Greengrass, I suppose. Dude, you know. Have you ever had the collars there? The, the, oh, the wait, the smoked salmon collars. Collars. I love those things. Me too. I love them. The I sleeper, like them fried or boiled. Boiled. I like them either way. I like them fried. Those I are the like sleeper. Boiled. My mother used to make it with a potato and. Cre- oh, mm. I'm eating it right now. I love that. I love that dish. We're gonna have. So let's the- go have lunch there. I what? would love to. I'm gonna have one of the green grasses on. I'm. I've been trying to book that for a while. He's so. a nice guy. I'll talk to him. You want let's, him on? I'll let's connect. Him. Let's let's link. Um. Okay. Favorite new New York City restaurant. Newer. Uh, my Cafe Paradiso at Lincoln Center in the movie house. It's new because I have a new, exciting Italian-American cafe. Amazing. Yeah, it really is interesting. Also, I got to tell you something. My Times Square Brooklyn Delicatessen, where I'm selling $10 Reuben sandwiches, excite me. I'll tell you this. The Brooklyn Diner in Manhattan at face value is not for me. I'm a Brooklyn. I lived in Brooklyn for 17 years. That said, I went and I and I had an incredible sandwich there for a meeting because it's right around the corner from me. Right. And I keep going back. I've been back three times. And like again, Brooklyn, you know, diner in Manhattan, not my thing. But I love the food there, and I think it's really high quality. I like and I like it. I like your restaurant. Thank you. Thank you very much. I like it. Um, what do you want from a Brooklyn diner that it won't? Give you. What do you want? What do I want? Yeah. That you don't have there? Yeah. Rugula? Rugula, I have Rugula. I'll send you the Rugula today. <laughs> you I make Rugula, baby. I love it. I, then I, there's nothing I need. And listen, all Rugula saying, you're getting. I just like, it's a little bit of a puzzle in my brain when you see Brooklyn Diner in Manhattan. But that's-, that's Oh, just, wait a minute. I want to put a Brooklyn Diner in t- 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 Texas. I want to put a- I want to put a- I'm going to Mobile, Alabama, put a Brooklyn down. Wait a minute. Brooklyn is everybody. Listen, that I I endorse. I think a Brooklyn diner in Texas is great. I mean, Brooklyn is everybody who came to this country stopped for a day in Brooklyn. It's not a foreign country. Yeah, now it's Williamsburg. Yeah, And they're going to the APC store in Williamsburg. That's pretty much why people stop there. Brooklyn is America, man. I agree fully. I love it there. Um, A couple more. Your favorite destination to visit for food, city, Italy, country. Italy, of course, my home in Italy. I mean, the food, yeah, Italy. What yeah. part are you are you staying in? Where's your house? My house overlooks the Mediterranean. Overlooks I on a clear day, Switzerland. It's in Tuscany, um, and it's about twenty five minutes from the Pisa airport, going towards the Mediterranean. Figured it out. 
That sounds like a nice place to be. It is a nice and place. And easy to, to be. get there, close to that airport. It's cool. it's still a schlep. Last one, your favorite sandwich. Uh pastrami Reuben. Mm. I mean that's pastrami Reuben because there's so many no. Uh, pastrami Reuben, yeah. That's a real treat. That's a real treat. Are you ever going to Katz's? I know you run restaurants. Of course I've been to Katz's. Every, wait, if you're an American, you've been to <laughs> Katz's. Do you Come go on. anymore? Do I go? <laughs> if I'm in the neighborhood, well, first of all, do I go? I try to eat. Wait a minute. I got my own pastrami. I know. I got my own cornbread. Do I go? If you'll take me, I'll go. Okay, I feel that's more of it. I mean, it was a loaded question because obviously you make your own of version. Of course, yeah. I mean, it's good part, pastrami, though. But it's wait, it's a legitimate place. It's a legitimate place. You heard it here. Cats uh, is a legitimate place, as is Red Eye Grill, Fiorello, Bond 45. USA Brooklyn Diner, USA Brooklyn Delicatessen, Cafe Paradiso, and Fiorella's at, on the in National Harbor in Washington. And Trattoria dell'Arte. And Trattoria dell'Arte. You heard it here. These are these are institutions in New York. Shelley Fireman, thank you so much for joining This Is Taste. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. Great. Thank you. Lorenzo Espada, welcome to This Is Taste. How are you doing? Doing good. How are you doing today? Oh, man. It's really great to, to meet you. I've had your book for a while. It's out this week. Congratulations. Your first book. Yes. Finally here. Long time coming. You know, long overdue as well. Yeah. And I love I love getting to know you on TikTok. I've, I've watched a lot of your, your videos, and um, we were just chatting off mic. You're, you're from North Carolina, and I love that your energy is from not a New Yorker, L.A., you're from somewhere else, and you really represent it. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know what I mean? North Carolina, everybody blows up where you're from, from L.A., from New York, from, <laughs> you know, Atlanta. So yeah. I like to be from somewhere that everybody isn't. Yeah, exactly. So tell me about New York. You've been hanging out here for—is this your first trip to New York? First trip to New York City, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, heart of the city, fast-moving, all that. Yeah. Yeah, so I like it. Um <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of it. I don't know. Maybe it's just being from North Carolina. It's a little slower pace. Yeah. But it's just too many people. Sometimes, you know. I like I, your I, style. Yeah, yeah. I like I like the different, you know, all the different things you can do, the cultures. But sometimes it's a little too much. With There's people. a lot of, a lot of guys here. So let's talk about food. Yeah. So you've been here for a few days. I know you've been flying around with the book. Yeah. What, what have you been able to eat New York-wise while here? So I had some New York pizza. So I got family from Jersey, okay, right? Okay, yeah. I had some New York-style pizza. Okay. And I might Notes? Get, might get some backlash from this, but okay. Jersey and New York pizza, man, it's really no different to me. Oh. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't believe the hype. Oh, so you mean from what you're getting in North Carolina? The, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the North Carolina. I mean, we have New York-style pizza yeah. in, in um, North Carolina, you know, and the pizza I had up here— I don't know. Maybe think it's a cultural thing. People outside in New York maybe have never had pizza outside of New York, so they feel like, oh, it's. <laughs> I it's, love the it, shots are better. fired. Yeah, um, I still love y'all, New York though. Can can I just can I just offer a little, uh, just like a little feedback? I yeah. feel like did you go somewhere good? Was it like a good place that was recommended, or was it just off? Was it a random place? Uh, so I had my manager. She was telling me that it was it was good. So I, all right, I, so I trusted her. You co-sign your manager co-signs on the place. Yeah. Do you remember the name of it by chance? Or no, I don't. I'll oh, good. Know the name right. of it. You're not wrong, okay. in my opinion, about the slice being n- not all that. Right. Because there are some really mid to not good slices available. Okay. And the low temperature, the rise, you know, doesn't do a lot. Right, It's right. not like Neapolitan, like super fast. It's, okay. But um, I appreciate So what kind of pie do you eat in North Carolina then? So we have, um, like, like I said, we have some New York style pizza places that, um, and I have family in New Jersey. I was actually born there and... We've had, you know, that pizza. I mean, I, I'm a just regular cheese, thin crust, yep. you know, um, cooked right. Uh, when you fold it, the grease comes down your arm a little bit. Of I, course. I think that's that's the, you know, the components of having a good yeah. slice. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll let you gracefully exit this conversation. You haven't offended too many people, but I want to dig into your motto, which is something that really struck me. And when I when I look at your videos and and, and get to know you, it's it's really smart. It's let's make something out of nothing. Yes, it says a lot, and I want to hear what your what you mean by that. Okay, so let me break it down for you, easiest way possible. 
So it came from my father growing up. You know, it was always you have a pantry full of nothing. You know, you know, sometimes you look in the pantry and you're like, man, we have food in there. Or you look in the fridge, we have something in there, but you don't know what you want to eat. Nothing of it really looks appetizing, right? Now you sit in there, oh, let's go out to eat real quick. Let's um find something to order. You know what I mean? Something like that. Essentially spend a little more money. So my father would always say, you can make something in there, you know, make something out of nothing. So take a can of tuna, take some, um, he used to love the, uh, he grew up, like he grew up, you know, eating stuff like something like spam and mm-hmm. rice. So really take whatever in there, grab a couple of eggs, maybe a little rice, a piece of toast, and then you make your sandwich or you have, you know, a full mm-hmm. meal. So that's essentially the something out of literally nothing. Mm-hmm. Now, and- where it comes from now, where I kind of tuned it. I do do that sometimes still, but in my videos, I like to tell people, for example, if we have a shrimp pasta, right? There's ingredients by themselves they don't really amount to much. Now, shrimp in itself, you know, can still be good. But 100. if you take pasta by itself, it's just pasta. The ingredients to make this Alfredo sauce, you know, it's just heavy cream. You don't want to eat heavy cream by itself. But you blend them all together, and now you make a meal. So You hit it. You hit it. Because you, you what you said is it's simple. Food, good food can be simple. Right. And also, you, it just takes a general understanding of what your pantry is offering you, which is always going to be something. Right. And so I, I would love to hear about that. Let's zoom out a bit. How, where did you learn to cook? So I learned to cook self-taught. I, I didn't the go best. to culinary school. A lot of people, you know, yep. ask me, did you go to culinary school? Did you do this? I did not. Um, it was really just one thing that I always loved to cook, you know, seeing my grandmother cook, uh, my mother. I come from a family, you know, we cook a lot, you know, especially around family gatherings, get-togethers, holidays. We all like to cook. So I kind of just took that, and I had a passion for it. Cooking was always, you can do so much with it, you know. There's not one person that cooks the same. There's not two people that you can try to mimic something, but you can make the same dish. Somebody's dish may be better than other person's. It's so true. And um, self-taught, it allows you to not be like put into a box. Exactly. Did you have any experience in restaurants at all? Yes, of course. Yeah, I worked, I worked in restaurants, gosh, since I turned 16. Where, where, what, are they, what, what kind of place? So I worked at, I don't know if you're familiar with the place called Shane's Rip Shack. Oh yeah, it's a it's so it's like a it's a barbecue like smoke smoke uh, house type of restaurant, and um and the restaurant it was pretty much I started out as a dishwasher so I was too young I guess quote unquote to work the line around cooking I don't know what they were talking about but I worked as a dishwasher and worked my way up now I was washing dirty dishes but I was smelling the food so then I got a lot of experience of just the volume of restaurant the yeah. volume of getting food out on time getting food cooked to the right under pressure yeah you know yeah. what I mean busy. Busy Saturday nights, busy Sunday morning. So that's why I really got my feet wet. Then I moved on to going to college, and I started working at Olive Garden. Yeah. That was a step up from, like, the mid-fast food into more not fine dining by any means, but more of, like, a, you know, organized, structured type of restaurant. Yeah, and everyone who knows OG knows it's actually, like, really, like, the recipes are really strong. Like, right, right, The culinary right. side of Olive Garden is extremely good. Exactly, and, exactly. And, and yeah. I love Olive Garden. I, I enjoy going to Olive Garden. It's a right. really good spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not my favorite restaurant in the world, but I like what they do, and it's delicious food. Exactly. And, and contrary to popular belief, you know, they don't, they, they make things from scratch. You know, some people think, oh, it's just a jar. Like, no, they, they do make some things from scratch. Definitely not. And um, I love that you have, like, these different experiences and Back to North Carolina barbecue, I'm not going to insult you uh, like you insulted my, my New York pizza, but <laughs> I'm just going to say the opposite. I think North Carolina's barbecue is the best. Oh, yeah. I'm oh, a yeah. huge fan. Yeah. I love pork barbecue. I love the style. It's the the vinegar based in the exactly. sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and that's and I have family from North Carolina, so you know, there's there is difference in North Carolina though, you do have sides of it. So like you have Eastern Carolina barbecue, sure. like Western, all of that. So yeah, I mean, but it's all to me, it's all good. When you were working at the rib restaurant, were they doing it over live fire? Were they doing it over? So the- they had, they had um some electric smokers. Yeah. So they would do um you know ribs, pork barbecue. Um, they would do smoked chicken, uh, like half chickens, wings, pretty much anything you could think of, and the sides as well, mac and cheese, baked beans, all of that, potato salad, big pieces of like you know Texas toast barbecue style. So. It was it was really good. It was a nice learning experience, and it was something that I definitely will be able to take with me. Yeah, definitely. All right, so let's go to the moment of your first viral video because I like to ask. I've asked this like Laurent Dejeuner and Joshua Weissman, a number of the guys who, and women who've done the uh, been considered influencers, so to speak, because that's who you are. But tell me about that first moment 
when you went viral. You were testing something out in your house, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the very first viral moment, I will have to say, was it was one night. So again, I was I was making a lot of videos, you know. So it mm-hmm. wasn't I was just trying new things, always trying to, you know, be better than better than the last version of me, you know, better than yesterday. So it was one night, um, Valentine's Day actually. This mm. was twenty twenty? Yeah. Was it twenty twenty? Yeah. Twenty twenty one. No, twenty twenty one, yeah. After the pandemic. So Yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. So twenty twenty one Valentine's Day. Um, me and my fiance were just having a dinner, you know. Again, at this point I was really cooking. I was really doing yeah. my thing. Um, so we were having dinner one night and we made some crab cakes and um we made, you know, red lobster biscuits, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. I made like a homemade version of the biscuits, made some crab cakes. And, you know, we had a couple of drinks and, you know, that's when your mind starts to get you know, flowing a little bit. Yeah. So I was taking the crab cake and I was taking the biscuit and kind of just eating it together and, um, you know, putting a little lemon juice on it. And I was like, this is this is pretty good, you know. So thoughts start racing and we were like, mm, what if we made like a sandwich with it? And I was like, yeah, that, that'd be pretty good. But I was like, what if we stuffed the crab cake inside of the biscuit mm-hmm. so I was like okay we gotta try this so it's that same exact night I, um, I had one crab cake already made made some extra biscuit dough real quick and then just tried it we put the, the um, biscuit dough in my hand put the crab cake put the biscuit dough on top baked it I just wanted to get it to stay together at this point I'm like I don't even know if this is gonna work so put it in the oven and it stayed together and then that was history so I literally that moment Still a little, you know, excuse me, a couple of drinks in us. And um, <laughs> we were like, I told my fiance, I said, I said, okay, record this, right? Took some butter, poured the butter over the biscuit. Which you knew was going to get some right, likes. Right, exactly. You know, Having people, a little bit of butter yeah, yeah, over. Yeah, people love that. Yeah. yeah, so nice, like literally golden butter over top. I picked the biscuit up and I broke it open and it was like mm. the perfect shot ever. And the sound is of the heavens. Exactly, yeah, exactly. To this day, so now... That's the first part of it because you know you have to, you have to visually grab people. Then it's like, how does it taste? Mm. It was perfect. Man. Yeah, it, it was. It was perfect. I posted it on t- pe- pe- TikTok, Instagram, Instagram Reels. Yeah. So this <laughs> at the time, you know, I wasn't even on TikTok yet. I was yeah. just on Instagram. It was, it was, it was twenty one. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I was. Um, I posted it, and people literally like. Now, my, at first, it was like people were like, "Wow, you know, I've never seen this before. This is just crazy." And then I was okay. It's doing pretty good. And then it literally like I want to say. Two days later, it was just like blowing up. And I was like, wow, I've never in my life had this many views, this many likes, none of that. And then I was like, okay, let me keep going. You know, let me keep trying these crazy style of recipes. And then I kept doing it. And then people were like, oh, wow, all your stuff has looked good, you know. So then that just kind of kept me on my toes to continue to try to make these new, you know. I was, Again, I was competing with myself at the time. Yep. I didn't care what nobody else was doing. I was just trying to make better videos day to day. Let's talk about some of your recipes in the cookbook. You've yes. got a sweet potato French toast, okay. which I'm looking at. I'm like, that is smart. I've never had that. Right. Ever. Like, I edit right. cookbooks. Like, I've never had that. Right. Those two things together is new to me. Right, right. I love that. Okay. Tell me about it. Where did you come up with that? So, do you like sweet potato pie? And Indeed. It's it's for Thanksgiving. It's one of my tops. Okay, cool. All right. So, I had this, this idea of, like... Um, you know, what do you eat Thanksgiving morning or what do you eat, you know, holiday mm-hmm. morning? Because holiday season for me is like beginning of November to like I, I, I'll include like middle of January. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just that that cold season. Um, So I was like, you know, you, you don't eat, pump, I mean, sweet potato pie for breakfast, but I mean, you can. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. But I was like, how can we get this kind of version into breakfast? So. I was like, French toast is good. Sweet potato pie is good. Let's kind of combine them. So combine the two. We stuffed, uh, um, cut a little slit into the French toast, stuff the sweet potato mixture in there. And when you eat it, you get like the crispy edges of, you know, the French toast, the soft, um, sweet filling of the sweet potato. And then like, you really don't even need any syrup on it. You can No, eat it. it's, 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 it's all it. there. Oh, yeah. Man. So another fusion food, which I like, um, the Philly cheesecake egg roll. Yeah. And I mean... Tell me about that. Yeah, where did so, it come up? So I, I think that's just it's just the classic, you know. I mean, it's a it's an egg roll. Um, every I feel like you could put anything in an egg roll. You can you good. can do pizza rolls. We yeah, know that. You but, know what I mean? But cheesesteak. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just you know cheesy. Um, the the steak and then you know nice and seasoned. Then you dip it in a little, you know, a little like sweet chili sauce or something like that, and it's yeah, it's, it's gonna be a hit every Have time. Have you checked out Philly? Have you been there? I have not. I do want to go. I, I, I want to Philly and Chicago are like. 
top two on my list right you gotta now. Hit the, they're great towns. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're great towns for food. And, and really, there's so much um, to learn from those two cities. And I hope you, you get to have, like, some roast pork yeah. in, in, in Philly as well, not yeah. just the cheesesteak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ro- I, I love going to new cities and just I need to try, like, <clears throat> your staples. Like, I went to New Orleans. I had the most amazing gumbo that I've ever had. And I I came home and made it. <laughs> so I had to recreate Ooh. So do you do you have a restaurant in your future? I feel like you know restaurants, yes. but do you want to open one? I do. I was um Ooh, I've really? been, I have been talking to people about this recently. Um it's it's definitely on my bucket list. It's just one of those things. I'm 25. It's one of the things where I feel like I need a little more seasonness in me. You know, yeah. I, I need I need some more years under my belt. Not necessarily to run the restaurant. I feel like I could do it now, you know. It's just one of those things that I think it's not in my plan for the next, you know, my next three, four or five years. But it's one of those things that I want to be able to be, you know, in my 40s, 30s, late 30s, yeah. even the 50s and say, hey, come on, let's let me shut the restaurant down for the day. You know, all the family come in. You know, yeah. I, I've always had that dream. So it's an extreme dad. Yeah. It's it's, a re- it's like one of the, the good things about owning a restaurant. Exactly. There's lots of bad things, too. Right, right. Exactly. As, that's the, as you know, you've worked there. Right. You worked that busy ship. Sh- yeah. Shifted the at the rib restaurant. Yeah, exactly. So, so what's the style of the food? What's the restaurant like? So the restaurant, I have this vision of like you know, a nice family style restaurant. You know, nice bar area. Um, like not really a tavern, you know, but yeah. something where I mean, I, I love sports, you know. So something where you know you're out, you know, you know how some restaurants have like they're not promoted as like sports bars, but you know you do have a TV at the bar. Oh, um, you know, but something like where we have good food and also. Like arrange for people. I want something for everybody, you know. I a feel nice, like a nice burger, and then also have a really good steak and crab cake biscuit or something. Yeah, on the menu. I, I. It's interesting you, you say you like sports, which I wasn't assuming. But then when I read your book, I'm like, there's so much tailgate food here. Yeah, and I hope that's a compliment. I mean, yeah, it just yeah. looks amazing. Yeah, or game night. Right, right, right. Yeah, because I'm, I'm. I mean, and, and to speak on there, it's it's a mixture of that, but also. As I said earlier, I'm a big, I don't know if I said it earlier, I'm a big family man. So my family, you know, I love, we love getting together, you know, making food. And when you're with family, you don't always want to sit at the table and have a family dinner. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sometimes you want to watch TV, play games, yeah. dance, you know what I mean? And you want something quick to eat, you know? Yeah. So make a lot of these quick, you know, appetizer, tailgate style foods and enjoy enjoy the time with each other instead of having to sit down and Oh, pa- pass me the mashed potatoes. Pass the gravy. You know, boring. Yeah, right. you, want, you want wings, and you want you want like grilled cheese. Exactly. You want things. That, and your 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 book is filled with these great recipes. Right. I really enjoy seeing your style yeah, that way. Thank you. Thank yeah, yeah, sure. A couple more. Now, you know, you've got Instagram, you've got TikTok, you've got YouTube. Maybe you got a restaurant, but how do you expand out of social? Because I mean, there's a lot of guys doing. This. I say guys, obviously, just in general, like doing this type of thing. Yeah, many are doing it as well. Yeah, how do you get, go to the next level? So I think going to the next level is just about being relatable to people and spreading it the old-fashioned way, man. The word of mouth, you know. Yeah, power to social media definitely because you know, I mean, I wouldn't be where I am today without it, but. There's a, you know, there's a fine line in sticking in that social media lane and then just wanting to be that household name, you know, yeah. wanting to be worldwide. Those people who, the Gordon Ramsays, you know what I mean? The, um, yeah. the Betty Crockers, you know, like all these different people who just are huge that they don't have to post something every day. They don't have mm-hmm. to have a social media presence in order to still be relatable, you know? And I think that just honestly comes with doing relatable things in person, you know, doing the groundwork, making the impact face-to-face, all this and that, being on different things like this podcast, you know what I mean? Doing different things that you're hitting different audiences where you might have somebody listening here that never has never been on Instagram, has never been on TikTok, you know? Yeah, I mean, they're going to pick up your book. Exactly, you know? This book, it's full of great recipes. Right. So on This Is Taste, we ask guests about their discerning taste. So to close this interview, here's a little rapid-fire Fast and Furious taste check. All right, cool. Are you ready? Let's do it. The best dessert. The best dessert, pound cake. Oh, excellent. Do you have a recipe in the book? Yes. Okay. What makes it special? Peach cobbler on top. Nice. I like that choice. Mm, so good. The best bread. The best bread, brioche bread. Yeah, of course. And and what do you like to do with brioche? What's a, Give me some... Make French toast. Yeah, of course. Or, or, or a good sandwich or grilled cheese, you know. Yeah. It, it's just a nice, thick, soft bread. Or or I also like um uh, a baguette, you know, baguette. 
Good for dips. Yeah, only I mean, yeah. That, that's that's it. In you my be careful opinion, with that's those it. Right, cut the roof of your mouth. Oh yeah, no one wants that. <laughs> okay, this is a big question. The best cheese. The best cheese. Ah, uh, I love pepper jack, man. It's the perfect cheese for sandwiches. Fully agree. It's a we wrote a great piece about yeah, pepper jack. Back it's in the, it's day. the the best by far. I love that melty too. Yeah. Uh, your favorite cookbook of all time. Favorite cookbook? I, I mean, it's biased. I, I would say mine. <laughs> okay, let's go. I mean, listen. Yeah, but um, uh, so I, I do like uh, you spoke with him earlier, Joshua Wiseman. Yeah. His uh, his book is amazing. You know, yeah. culinary mastermind. Yeah, he's for sure. He's great. He, he's so, built real, yeah. really fun. And, and he's 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 the perfect example as I was saying earlier about just being that authentic. You know, not afraid. You can't be afraid to be yourself. People love you for being you. Yeah, it's true. Couple more. Your favorite vegetable. Vegetable, I recently got into them, and I love them if they're made right. Emphasis on made right. Brussels sprouts. Oh, I mean. But they, it, it, again, once again, emphasis on made right. Because I had some at a restaurant one time, and they were no. the worst thing I've ever tasted. Yeah. But when they're made right, they I mean, you can't you can't go wrong with it. All right, it. so I have to ask, what, how do you make them right? So a uh, little plug here. I have one in the cookbook. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, so you have, to, you, have to, you have to cut them and get that face side nice and crispy. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. Get it nice and crispy. Throw a little uh, balsamic glaze on there. Yep. Seasoning can be light. Throw a little bacon, some apples in there. The apples and the bacon complement it, but it's all about the texture. Food is big on texture. Mm-hmm. You, know, you got to have the different textures to bring out the elements in the food. It's like mini cabbage. Cabbage is good, too, so... I mean, ca- cabbage and Brussels are pretty close. Yeah, pretty same. You know, pretty if you good. can take a big cabbage and cook your face down, I feel like it tastes the same. Same so. thing. I love cabbage, too. Last one, your favorite sandwich. Favorite sandwich. Um, Define a sandwich. Is a sandwich a burger? Well. Is a, can a sandwich be a hot dog? Can it be? We've certainly dipped into this topic many times on the show. Yeah. And I have to say, a hot dog is not a sandwich. Is a burger a sandwich? Hell no. It's a burger. It's a burger. What's the difference? <laughs> okay. It's, so, a, it's a burger. It's like, you know, it's a... It's okay, a, so so you define sandwiches like... So you define like a, a turkey t- cold cut as a sandwich? 100, yeah. It is a like cheesesteak a sandwich? What? Yeah, 100, of course. So what's the, you're, you're, there's, what's, there's not much difference in a burger and a cheesesteak, right? Burger is a solid patty <laughs> on a okay. bun. What about a meatball sub? Is that a sandwich? Meatball sandwich? Wow, we're really breaking this down. I like it. Uh, Pat Stango, help me out here. I feel like we've gone over this. Oh, yeah. Meat, meatball is a sandwich. Bur- the reason burger is not a sandwich is because if you go to a diner, burger has got its own section. It, it, okay. It, it, and see, and I was, I was, you, I was only it. asking because that, I had a debate about that recently. And that's what I said. You know, they have their own. You go, it has burgers. Or yeah. it even say burgers, then you'll have handhelds. You know, handheld is a sandwich. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if I to answer the question, though, if I had to say my favorite sandwich, it would have to be... A turkey like club, yeah. Now, but I need the turkey club with like the layers. You know how you get a club sandwich and it has the bread, crazy amount of turkey, then another slice. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want it like that. I don't want a club, a thin club. No, sandwich, you, you need more meat. Yeah, you got to stack. You can make it small, but just make sure it's nice and stacked. And put the toothpick in there. Toothpick in the always. Yeah. So you want you want mayonnaise on there too? Yeah, but no pickles. I hate pickles. Respect that choice, Renzo Spada. Thank you so much for joining this. This has been fun. Thank you. It has been. This is Taste is hosted by Eliza Abarbanel and me, Matt Rodbar. The show is produced by Shalia Harris and Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter for updates on all cool things that are happening. 